ever turn to two people, just tell two people, welcome home, will you? Welcome home. I can't say it enough. New people in the house today that have never stepped foot in Meadows Church. I know you heard it once, but you can't hear it enough. Welcome home. We're so excited that you're here. Casey already mentioned we're in a series that we're wrapping up today called You Asked For It. And you asked for it. I mean, you, you gave these questions. We're looking at what God says about them. But the first question isn't even on the agenda. It's not like one of the five official questions, but we got we to answer it because this is, there's a big controversy going on right now. And the question is this, is it okay to be decorating for Christmas when we're still two, two and a half weeks? I mean, you, you know the tension that this is causing in your house. I know it isn't mine. Who, let, let's hear from you real quick. Who says it's okay? You could be decorating right now for Christmas, and you've done it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who says, nope, you're jumping the gun, it's too early. Wow, so we're pretty even. So guess what? The Bible doesn't speak specifically to if we can put, like, our decorations on our tree right now. It doesn't really say that. Actually, there's one version that does speak to this. It's, it's actually the, the MLT, the, the Monty Living Translation. So let's see what he has to say. So, here we go. If you, okay, three sections here, three categories. If you were decorating for Christmas and it was still October, okay, there's something seriously wrong with you, okay? That's the first thing. You've got possibly a disorder, something going on that we want to help you with. You need to repent today. It's too early, okay? October is too early, okay? There's number one. Number two, if you're decorating now, like if you're decorating now, it's November, but we haven't hit Thanksgiving yet, you are crazy, but God still loves you. See, that's good news. See, you're still loved, okay? Now, last but not least, if you're that person, if you're that family, if you're that neighbor, when it's March and your decorations are still up, okay, and you know who you are, and your neighbors know who you are and they don't like you, okay, I'll just tell you that. If that's you, my, my advice to you, leave them up because Christmas will be here before you know it, so just go with it, okay? I, I don't decorate the house so much, uh, our, our roof, 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 roof is high, and I, uh, Jody keeps telling me, Monty, go up there. You can do it. You can do it. But I don't know. You say it in a way that I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't know about that. So here we go. You guys ready for this? The last installment, the last episode of You Asked For It. Oh, my gosh. So the, the, this question came through more than once, and uh, the question is this. Where did the devil come from? Like, like where... What are the origins of this Lucifer? Where did the devil come from? And I know what some of you are thinking. The first thing that pops in your mind is, well, Sioux City, right? I mean, that's what I thought, too. That's what I thought, too, because they've been doing construction in Sioux City as long as the devil's been around. And they got those speed traps that I've got busted at a couple times. Jody, you know that, right? So the demons are all over that. So well, Sioux City is what, that's the MLT version again. Let's look at what God says. Where did the devil come from? Why does he exist? Where did he come from? So... In, your, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Ezekiel. Say Ezekiel. Ezekiel. So in Ezekiel 28, I'm going to read you verses 13 through 17. This is going to kind of give you a context of where the devil came from. Here we go. You were in Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve and all that? You were in Eden, the Garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. Sardius and topaz and diamond Beryl and onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. Talking about Lucifer here. 
So I ordained you and anointed you as a mighty angelic angel, guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless. There was a time when he was blameless and beautiful. Blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and I exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Here we're getting a picture that um, this, this Lucifer was his angelic name and he was an angel. That's what he was in the beginning. You could argue he's an archangel, which is a, a leader of angels. I mean, only three angels were ever given names that we know of in the Bible. Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, okay? Some scholars believe, check this out. If you, when you study the origins of the devil, many scholars believe that he was actually the worship leader. So here's a beautiful worship leader. Can you imagine, like, next weekend if we start advertising at Meadows Church, hey, special guest leading worship, the prince of darkness. you got to come check it out. What, Ozzy Osbourne? No, the devil. The devil's going to, I mean, so this is kind of crazy. But So I'm going to give you another scripture to go with this to, to add on to where he came from. You know that he was in the garden. Before he was that serpent in the garden that came up to Eve, he was in the garden before that. Beautiful. Beautifully dressed, beautiful, I mean, blameless, God said. So Isaiah, another prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah 14, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14, so this is short. Oh, how you fallen from heaven, oh, shining star, son of the morning. So Lucifer is literally Latin for morning star, okay? You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I'm going to ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's far away from the north. I will climb the highest heavens and be like the most high. I, I, I. You can see it was all about him. And Lucifer's plan, or what it turned into, was him being like God. Basically being God, taking over for God. And that, that, that doesn't end well normally if you want to do that. So it didn't end well for him. So this is where he came from. But it leads into question number two. If God is love, and he is, right? Remember First John? We looked at that like a month and a half ago. God is love, literally. If God is love and doesn't hate, does he still love Lucifer? That's a good question, right? So we got to look at the nature of God is love. We can see from the scriptures that I just read to you, we can see that Lucifer was, was beautiful. Like God's creation, right? God created him. He said it. He was beautiful. He said it. So I could, you, could, you could say, okay, God loves his creation. I think that's pretty safe to say. The nature of God is love. And, and if we look at the context of people, you and I, the ones who were made in the image of God, his love for us doesn't change. So... You can think of the, the most evil people in the world, the most heinous people. I just, I just heard a story about a family that was taken out by a Mexican cartel, I mean, just recently. Beautiful family, young family. So you can look at the cartel and say, oh my gosh, that's very, those are very evil people. And they are. Does God love the, those, those members of the cartel? Yes. He does love them. He, don't, he doesn't love what they're doing. But God is love, and God does love, and nothing that we can do can separate us from his love. 
So based on that, I think, and the Bible doesn't speak specifically to, it doesn't say God loves the devil, but, but I think from the nature of God and that God created Lucifer, Lucifer made bad choices, that got him where he is today, but I think it's, I, I, I would say yes, he does love Lucifer, can't, does hate what he's doing. And you might think, wait a minute, hate? But God is love. God is love, but that doesn't mean there aren't things he hates. I'll show you that in a second. A follow-up question to the one I just said was, can the devil repent and ask for forgiveness? Um, I, I, the devil had a choice to do evil, right? He made those decisions. It said it right there. We read it together. So I would think he would have had a choice to repent if he wanted to. But, but check this out. We know he didn't. I can already tell you he didn't, okay? We know the end of the story. I don't have time to read it to you, but you can read Revelation 20. You will see that, that in the future, the prophecy that says about the devil, you'll know he didn't repent. Could he have? I, I think he could have. He had the choice to do what he did. Could have probably repented and turned around and got back on track. You're never so far down that you can't get back on track. I'd say the same was true for him, but I know for a fact he didn't. The end of the story, you got to read the end of the story. Revelation 20, you read it this week, there's your, there's your assignment. You'll know that he didn't repent. He didn't ask for forgiveness, and uh, he got what was coming to him, and that's a good thing for you and I. God is love, but there are things that God's ha God hates. The Bible says it. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, I'm going to read to you some things that the Bible specifically says that God hates, right? So he don't hate us, right? He didn't hate us. I, he, might, he might hate some of the things we do or think or say, but he doesn't hate us. There's a big difference there. It's gonna be, this, that's going to be mind-bending for some of you. It's going to be life-changing if you let God's truth sink into you today. By the way, God wants, to, God wants to do something in you today. I don't know what brought you to church. I don't know why you're here or, or what led you here. I do know that it's, it's on purpose and God has a purpose for you. I'm so excited about this message Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things the Lord hates. And then it says, no, seven things he detests. And then it lays them out. Haughty eyes. You know, haughty is a word we don't use really much, but haughty literally means pride, proud, prideful. Remember, this, remember the sin that got the devil kicked out? It was really pride at the end of the day is where it was. First thing God lists in Proverbs, haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. Just talked about that. Hearts that plot evil. These are things God hates. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. A person who sows discord in a family. And last but not least, those people that drive slow in the left lane. That's the biggest thing he hates. I know the Bible doesn't say it, but I'm just going to say it. If God, he forgot that one, I'll tell you. So six things. No, seven things. Eight things, according to me. Um, actually, those are what they list right there in Proverbs. But, but if you keep reading Bible, the Bible, you'll see more things. Like the last book of the Old Testament is called Malachi. Another prophet. Say Malachi. Malachi. This is the last book before we get to the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. In the last book of the Old Testament, it's, here's another thing he hates. Actually, leads us to the next question. But Malachi 2.16. For I hate divorce says the Lord, the God of Israel. Question number three, is divorce a sin? So before we get to scripture, let's acknowledge what we can acknowledge through this whole series is that 
this is very real stuff. And you've all been impacted by divorce in one way or another. You know, someone you know, maybe it's you yourself, whatever the case is. Can we agree that, I don't know what the stat is. My, the, the, the stat that you, I've heard for many years is half of people, half marriages end in divorce in America. That's probably fairly accurate. Actually, it might be a little bit higher than that now. So it impacts a lot of people. And part of the reason is, and I don't know if you know this, this is going to be, seem, seem really deep to you. I know that this, this is going to be amazing that you hear this. But, but men and women are different. Like, yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Like, way different. And this can cause conflict, right? I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget when I was in, in the bathroom one day, and we have this big thing of lotion. And I just grabbed the lotion, and I was squirting it out. And I'm, like, putting it on my hands and my my arms and my elbows, and then I start putting on my face, and Jody's like, what are you doing? She goes, what are you doing? She goes, your face. And I'm like, what? What? What's wrong with my face? And she's like, you're putting that lotion all over your face. I say, well, yeah. She goes, that's not lotion for your face. And I said, it's what? I mean, I didn't know, you guys. I didn't know that there was lotion for every different part of the anatomy. I didn't know that. Like, Jody's teaching me things. She's, like, appalled. I put a, I'm like, Jody, it's, this is skin. This is skin. I mean, seriously, is that what you're getting worked up over? She just went crazy on me. You put that on your face? This all guy's like it, was, like it was acid or something. But she was freaking out. I wasn't. I didn't care. But we're, we're different. It's like, I don't, I don't, there's some things I'll never get. I don't, I get in the shower and I see seven, eight different bottles of shampoo. I don't know if there's one for every day of the week or what's going on. Guys, we're different. We got one jug. It's like six in one. Man, I'll use this stuff for my hair, my face, my body, my dog, my dishes, my carpet, whatever. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, we're different. Okay. So because we're different, conflict can happen. Divorce. So um, let's go straight to Matthew, straight to the words of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of different scriptures on this, but let's just go to what Jesus said. Matthew 19, verses 3 through 9. Some Pharisees came to test Jesus. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, and you hear this at weddings, right, all the time? It's it's from Jesus. It says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. Then they, they, they retorted and they said, well, why then did Moses, referring now back to the Old Testament, why did Moses command that a man could just give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her on her way? And Jesus says, Moses did that. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Your hearts were hard, but it was not this way in the beginning. That was never the plan. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. So, from the scripture of Jesus, we can see that divorce is never God's plan. That was never what he, that was never his plan for marriage. Like, we know that. We can read that. In fact, in Malachi, it literally said he hates divorce. But... Just because he hates divorce doesn't mean he hates you. This is big if you've been divorced, okay? Just like when your kids mess up and they say something you don't like or they do something you don't like, you might even hate what they, have, what they did, but you don't hate them. Big difference. So let's understand that and understand this, that marriage is a covenant. Say covenant. A covenant. A covenant is something that's binding. It's, 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 
it's different than a contract. So a contract is something that it's based on almost mutual distrust. Like, well, let's write this up and here are the clauses and here are the things. And in a contract, we're going to look for loopholes or we're going to look for maybe some ways out. Um, so I think today in the age that we live in today, many people, and I'm not judging anybody, I'm just saying many times it's, easy to look, it's, it's easier to look for a way out when things get tough sometimes. Say, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's easy to look for a way out. It's almost like if I, if, if I you know, or that, like, like sexual immorality. Well, Jesus said, you cheated on me, so now I can divorce you. According to the Bible, I, you're right. I mean, that's what the Bible said, sexual immorality. But, but can I even tell you something? I know couples that have dealt with infidelity and that have dealt with adultery, and they've come through on the other side, and they're still married. So I don't, I don't, even, I don't want you to hear like, oh, well, see, Jesus said it. You did that. We're done. It might be done. I don't know, but I'm telling you, don't, don't use that as like, well, that's an out. If you look for an out, you'll find it every time. That's, that's, why, that's why I put this. We shouldn't look for a way to get out. We shouldn't look for a way to get out. We should look for a way to get through. We should look for a way to get through, okay? Marriage, listen to me. So my wife and I, Jody, two days ago celebrated 16 years of marriage. And it's, it's, it's awesome. But I, I'll guarantee you that there was a day we didn't think we'd make it 16 minutes, okay? It is not easy. So I, 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 I so let me say this. I think people sometimes give up too easily and they expect it to be easy. It's not easy. Oh my gosh, it is not easy. But I'll also say this. It takes two people to be married. Okay, it takes two people all in to be married. If you're not all in, say you're 95% in, eventually you'll take that 5% and you'll go out. You will, I promise you. And I say that it takes two people to be married because I've been with couples and talked to couples where one of them's in and one of them's out. And I was like, I might have even said, listen, I, what you have isn't a marriage. I, I know you got the piece of paper. I know you, got, I know you, you, you did all that and you, you got dressed up in your, in your suit and your dress. And I know that, but this isn't a marriage. Like, and this, is, this was bad. The per, one person was out just living a single life and doing what single, but it, but the other person said, well, I'm married. This is, what, you know, this is what I signed up for. Well, number one, that's not what you signed up for. Number two, that person isn't, doesn't want in. They don't want to try. There's nothing there. So at that point, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to see you waste your God-given purpose by, I'm just going to hang on. This is what I signed up for. I don't, I don't believe that's what God wants. So you're saying they should be divorced? I'm just saying what, the, what I was looking at wasn't a marriage, okay, despite what the piece of paper said. The other thing I'm going to tell you about uh, this or a divorce is this. If you're, an, if you're in an abusive relationship, um, you need to get out. I'm not saying get divorced right away. I'm saying you need to get out, okay? If you're being abused or your children are being abused, get out. You, you need to talk to me. You need to talk to the church. You need to talk to somebody and let us help you. Again, I'm not saying get divorced. It might, that might, it might go down that path if the person who's being the abuser doesn't want to repent, doesn't want to get counseling, doesn't want to get better. If they do, man, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's dig in and do this. But if they don't, again, it takes two to get, be married, all in. And if one person has no desire to be in it, I don't care. You can call it whatever. I, that ain't a marriage. That is not a marriage. So I, I'm just saying that because I want to be sensitive to this subject. There's people... I just don't want people to, I don't want people to give up too easily on what God brought together. It's not going to be easy. 
and from whatever you've been taught or what you see on TV, it's, it's hard, it's work, it's counseling, it's struggle. That's marriage, okay? That is marriage. It's also beautiful and amazing and, you know, from God. It's all that. But, but there are times, I tell people, listen, this has got to stop. And, and, and you, that's why I love divorce care. So divorce care is a ministry that we have in our church. You maybe don't even know that. We've already done one round. We're doing another round of it in spring. If you need to heal from divorce, if you need to get help, maybe you've been divorced or, or you're going through one or someone you know, man, in, in the spring, we're going to start another one. And it is life-changing, godly, Christ-like principles. You can write divorce care on your card. I'll have somebody contact you. But there is, there, listen to me. Divorce does not disqualify you from the life that Jesus wants for you, okay? I've, I've got to say that again. Divorce does not disqualify you from the life that Jesus has for you, okay? So if you, look up here, if you've ever been divorced or you know someone who's been divorced, my prayer for you is healing. So my prayer for you is that you know that there is hope. My prayer for you is that you know that God doesn't shut the door on your future because of something that happened in your past. God's power is greater than your past. It is, okay? But they've been unfaithful. I know, but even when we're unfaithful, our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. There is hope for you, whether you've gone through it or you've not gone through it. I'm telling you, God has a purpose for your life. The follow-up to that question Oh, you know what? Before I get to that, I'm going to give you a key. This is something that I need to work on. I need to get better with my wife about. But you want to know the key to staying married? It's two words. Pray together. That's it. You don't even need to come see me in some special counseling session. I just told you what I tell you anyway. Pray together. You know why I tell you that? I see the wives looking at their husbands. Husbands looking at their wives. This is great. So um, the, reason, the reason why I tell you that is because Statistics tell us that less than 8% of couples pray together. Less than 8%. It can be uncomfortable. Don't make it long. Don't make it eloquent. 15 seconds, 20 seconds, it's cool, you know? But something supernatural happens. So less than 8% pray together. Do you know of those that pray together, the couples that pray together? Do you know the percentage that get divorced? We know the normal percentage is 50% or even higher that get divorced. If you're praying together, it goes down to less than 1%. Less than 1% that pray together on a consistent basis get divorced. That's the biggest, for some of you, you can go home. That You're done. You heard all you needed to hear? That is good stuff. Pray together. Hold hands and pray together. Um, How do we know that we're forgiven for our past marriages? Like any sin, you can be forgiven. Okay? Like any sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, there is hope in the divorce. There's hope in the mess that we're in. There's hope because we have a God who's a forgiving, loving God, a God of second chances. I love that. But it leads to question four. You ready for this? Here we go. Does God still love me if I can't forgive people in my life? Does God still love me if I can't forgive people in my life? Do we have the Lord's Prayer? Can we put it up again like we had before? Let's pray it together. I know we did it once, but let's do it again. You ready for this? On the count of three, let's pray together. One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Stop. Did you hear that? It's why I have a fear of doing things all the time and just like redundantly because I'm afraid sometimes we miss the meaning by, by what we're saying. I love the Lord's Prayer. I love it so much. I grew up with it. But I, but I don't want to just regurgitate something just because, well, this is next, this is next. So I do, that's why we don't do communion every week. Someone asked me that last week. How come you don't do communion every week? Because I just don't want, I, we'll probably do it next weekend if you're wondering, but I just don't want it to become, well, this is next, this is next. And it's rituals and it's tradition. And there's a place for that too. But I just, how many times have you prayed this? And I prayed this and we'd miss that. Forgiveness. This is going to be huge for somebody. You ready for this? After, this is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. He literally taught them the Lord's Prayer. After he taught them this, do you know what he went right back to? The forgiveness piece. He did. You can look it up yourself in Matthew. I'll show you. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. We just read Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Listen to what he says. Right after the Lord's Prayer, he says, but if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, you ready for it? Your Father won't forgive yours. Do you know how many times Christians miss this? We're quick to say, I believe in Jesus. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. But if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart for anybody, but you don't know what they did. I, I, I don't know what they did. You're right. But what if I told you it doesn't matter? I know that's maybe hard to hear. I'm just telling somebody in this place. Well, it's, it's, it's the other main point. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must, say must. We must choose to forgive. We have to. And if I can tell you, if you're harboring unforgiveness for anybody and you're calling yourself a follower of Jesus, something's wrong. Something's desperately wrong. This is why I love Celebrate Recovery, another ministry that we're going to have in this church for a long time. A ministry that's based on the 12 steps of recovery plus Jesus. Well, 12 steps of recovery, I'm not an addict. I'm not an alcoholic. It, is, it ain't about that. It is about that, but it's way bigger. It's about unforgiveness. It's about life issues. It's about a past abuse. It's about codependency. It, the 12 steps of recovery are incredibly amazing. Do you know what one of the most amazing steps is? Forgiveness, making amends. Because they know somebody who's in recovery for anything, if you don't do this, you're, you're hurting yourself. But I'm letting them off the hook. No, you're not. Okay? They got their own issues and their own struggle with Jesus. It's for you. I don't know how you square this. Jesus just... If you don't forgive others, my Father will not forgive you. And if you're not forgiven, that's bad. Okay, that doesn't end well for us. That doesn't end well. Sometimes we want to look at Scripture out of context. Well, anyway, believe in Jesus and I'm good. Well, yep, that's a great place to start. But if you believe in Jesus and you are over here not forgiving, that's a bad day for you. And you're hurting yourself in your walk with Jesus. You're hurting yourself. It's holding you back from what God has for you. Not letting anybody off the hook. This is so, so the question, let's go back to it. Does God still love me? Yes, we do. we've already established. God can't stop loving you. What's the second part? If I can't forgive people. Yes, God loves you. 
He just doesn't forgive you. There's the answer. Someone's going to get set free today. Someone's, someone's going to, someone this week, someone today, you're going to reach out to somebody and you're going to say, you're, you're going you're gonna to forgive them for what they've done. <laughs> Repeat after me. Forgiveness equals freedom. Again, forgiveness equals freedom. Forgiveness equals freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. The last question. And of all the questions that came through, and by the way, if you, if you put questions in and they're not getting specifically addressed here, um, that's, that's because they were stupid questions and we threw them out. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So um, I shouldn't say those things. So we will, we're actually going to follow up with you. We'll, we'll follow up with you. We're going to answer your questions one way or another. So um, this last question, of all the questions, this one is the one that took my breath away. I guess that's why I just, I don't want to say I saved it to last. I just maybe avoided it. I don't know. If I were to kill myself, would I still go to heaven? If that's God, I would love for him to answer this question. Thank you. Seriously, we need his help. If I were to kill myself, would I still go to heaven? First of all, I've already addressed this question right away personally with the person because when I see that come up, I'm, I'm pressing in big time. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for adolescents or young adults age 15 to 24. For that same age group that over the last half century, that, that the, the rate of which suicide happens has tripled. We all know someone who's been impacted, some of you more personally than others. The Bible doesn't specifically say, if you kill yourself this, or if you kill yourself, you go here or there. I can show you some things in the Bible though. And I can give you some hope today that I believe will inspire you and I hope. If you're wrestling with suicide or suicidal thoughts right now, Look up here. I love you. God loves you. Like he brought you here today so you could hear that. Don't you leave here until you tell us what's going on in your life. Don't you leave here until we can pray with you and love you and walk with you. You're not alone. You never have to be alone again. God has brought you here. Please, 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 if that's you, know you're loved and know we want to talk to you right after the service. There's instances in the Bible that, that are, there's suicides that happen in the Bible. Do you know that? Like in the Old Testament, there's like five of them that I can document for you. I don't have time to do it all. I can tell you one of them was King Saul, very first king in the Bible. He's wounded on the battlefield. As he's wounded on the battlefield, he literally falls on his own sword on purpose to kill himself. So there's suicides that went down in the Old Testament. New Testament, after Jesus came to earth, really one documented that I could find. That was... Uh, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, the one that actually betrayed Jesus. Experience, once he realized what he did, you guys, once he realized the gravity of what he had done in the moment, he couldn't bear, he couldn't handle it. He could not take it. And the Bible says he went out and hung himself. 
That's the only one in the New Testament. I can tell you something straight up from the nature of God and what we've learned so far in the series. Suicide is never God's plan for your life, ever, 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 ever. The devil, we learned about him earlier today, his, oh, he's in that, trust me, he loves that. The Bible says his, his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And if, if he can plant thoughts in your head and, and put deception in your mind that causes you to even get to a point to take your life, he's on board. The nature of, of God is the exact opposite. Did you know that? So the nature of God is loving. Jesus says, I came to give abundant life. Say life. Life. The opposite. We have a God who treasures the sanctity of life. And he wants us not to choose death, obviously. He wants us to choose to live, to choose life. We know from the nature that suicide is never God's plan for our life. So what happens? L let's put it this way. I would never want to risk my eternal salvation by going there. I just know that we have a God who's way bigger and way better than what we can dream or imagine. And I know there are, there are things that happen in life and every, I don't think there's a point blank, like, if you kill yourself, you automatically go to hell. You've committed a crime, you've murdered, and you didn't repent, and... Listen, there's, I mean, there's severe depression, okay? That's a factor. Demonic attacks? Oh, I come, you're saying there's demons? Yes. Have you ever had, like, a bunch of 13-year-old girls at your house spending the night? Demons are real. I'm not kidding you. Sorry, Ava, I love you. chemical imbalance and then there's just a maybe a dark moment maybe just a a decision that is made in a deep dark place something has happened panic fear has set in and someone makes the bad decision to take their life listen it's my prayer that god has grace in all those situations and that it covers it all that's that's what i that's what I, my head wants and my heart wants to believe because I know people that have, have done that. It's funny, I want to go back to the main point for a divorce because it works here too. We shouldn't look for a way to get out. We should look for a way to get through. That's my prayer for you. And anybody that you know that suffers it, with these thoughts and these tendencies and these, these ideas that are, that are not God's plan, suicide is never God's plan for your life. We shouldn't look for a way to get out. We should look for a way to get through. And if you're at a point where you don't see any way out, I'm telling you that's when God makes a way in. Please press in today. And if you know people that struggle with that outside of this church, man, point them to the church, have them call us, or what, we'll do whatever we can to show people that there's hope. You, can I share something crazy for a closing story? Check this out. In the Bible, I, I just shared with you that Judas was really the only one in the New Testament that we can really document that took his own life. Well, there was almost another. After Jesus ascended into heaven and, and his church was ordained, two guys named Paul and Silas were preaching Jesus, sharing the good news in Acts 16. It's crazy. Well, they get arrested because that was frowned upon and they're in jail. But the jail that their, their physical jail didn't stop them from worshiping a spiritual God. I love that. It didn't. So check this out. They're worshiping in jail, locked up, chained up, it said, hands and feet. They still find a way to praise and worship Jesus Christ. They couldn't stop. 
pleased the Father so much, he sends an earthquake, shakes the cells, shakes everything, chains fall off their hands, chains fall off their feet, jail doors swing open, not just theirs, but everybody in the house. It's nuts. The jailer, Acts 16, 27. The jailer woke up during that earthquake to see the prison doors wide open. He assumes the prisoners have, ex have, ex have escaped and know that if they've escaped on his watch, well, he's screwed. You get killed for something like that. That happens on your watch, you're a dead man. And he knew it. Say assumed. Okay, that's big. I'll show you why. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Stop! Don't do it! We're all right here. We're all right here. This is amazing. Number one, you might think, well, this is the jailer keeping you locked up. He's the bad guy. You're the good guy. He's not on your side. But when you're in Christ, there are no sides. There was no side. Paul saw a man who needed help and hope. I love it. And he knows that they run from the jail. He's a dead man. Paul knew that. Paul's like, guys, I know we're freaked out. I know we, 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 we got to run right now because we're going to get killed. But this guy matters. And he says to the guy, stop. Don't do that. That's what I'd say to anybody who's on the verge of killing themselves. Stop. We're right here. The church is right here. Stop. Like Paul's begging him, stop. We're right here. We're right here. Verse 29, the jailer calls for the lights and ran to the, the dungeon. He fell down trembling before Silas. See, when you want to take your life, you know, what, you know what it's rooted in? Fear. And it's rooted in assumptions too. Remember when I said he assumed everybody's gone, I'm dead. When we start thinking in our head, a lot of the things we think aren't true. That's what the devil does. He lies. He deceives. And we start to think, I'm done. I've screwed up so bad. They're not going to love me anymore. Fear. I keep messing up. I'll never get it right. Fear. Assumptions. I've always been this way. I've always been mentally messed up. It'll never be right. Fear. He has got fear in him. I'm always going to be this way. Verse 30. So he brings Paul and Silas out and he says, he's, listen to his question. He is so desperate. Sirs, what do I got to do? What must I do to be saved? I love it. What a beautiful question. When you're at a place of brokenness and you're at a place of hurt and some of you are there and you know it, you'll do whatever it takes. That's a beautiful place to be. What do I got to do? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's where it all begins. That is where they knew it. They didn't say, well, let's, put, let's go to counseling or that's important. But they know there is no hope apart from Jesus. Jailer. Do this. Believe in Jesus. He just gave him the gospel. 
That's what they're getting arrested for. Isn't that funny? They, 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 they told the jailer the very thing they're getting arrested for, they told him, believe in Jesus. Sell out to the king. He sold out to you. And for somebody in this place today, this is why you're here. This is the gospel that Jesus Christ would even come to earth as a person, die a horrible death on a cross, only to rise three days later. That resurrection, that's the key. That's it. If you can believe in that, new life can begin. That's what they told the jailer. And guess what? It did. The Bible says he got saved that day. So what happened? He, he went from fear to faith. And that equals freedom. And that's what he found. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. For somebody here, I don't know if you want to call it a commitment, a recommitment. I'm telling you, you walked in here begging, what do I need to do? In your finances, in your relationships, in your mind, you're begging God, what do I need to do? He's saying, believe in my son Jesus, sell out to him, he will save you, he will change you, it's what he's in the business of doing. And that's what he wants to do, I love it. This message today, I'm telling you who it's for. Anyone, say anyone. Anyone who wants to start stepping away from your fear and start to walk by faith to the plan that God has for you. It's for anyone who wants to heal from your hurts. Anyone who wants to break out of the bondage that you're in. Anyone who wants to step out of the prison of your past and into the freedom that Jesus Christ has for you. If you want that, Give God some praise up in here. Come on, because your praise, it unlocks God's power. Oh boy. Hope is here. I want to pray for you. I pray that the praise that you just gave God will not end when we leave here today that your hearts will be filled with his power, that you will call on his name, that you'll surrender your life. Maybe you're writing Celebrate Recovery on the card because you need help in recovery. Maybe you're writing Divorce Care on the card. Maybe you're giving your life to Christ. Take your next step, please. Life is quick. We get one shot. You're not here by accident. God loves you so much. This series has been one of the craziest series we've ever done. It's real, it's raw. Last weekend's message, most feedback I've ever gotten on a message, ever. I don't have all the answers. I just believe we have a God who does. And at the end of the day, he loves you. He loves you so much. Step into that love. Father, I wanna thank you so much for your truth, for your word. You asked for it, I guess we asked for it. You answered, God, I, I pray that everything said today was of you. And again, if there's anything I said that wasn't out of you, please erase it from our mind right now. God, we need you so, so desperately. Like the jailer needed Jesus, we need him too. God, these topics are raw and real. Divorce, it's impacted a lot of us. Suicide impacted a lot of us. Forgiveness. <laughs> God, will you give us your strength and your power in this moment right now? 
will you give it to us? Will you, will you give us what we don't have? And that is more of you in us because I just believe that the, the closer we get to you, God, the more that you change us. And, and we need change. We need hope. We, we thank you for second chances. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that as we share about the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus, that it never becomes mundane or, oh, it's, it's the greatest miracle in the world. It is life-changing, not just this side of heaven. I'm talking for eternity. I never want to lose sight of the beauty of you and your love for us, letting you down. My gosh, I know I screw up every day, Father. Yet all you do is love. Help us love like you do. Help us surrender to you today. Please help us take a next step, God. We'll never stop praising you. We'll never stop worshiping you. We'll never stop saying that in you, God, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.